You know, as uh, great a gift as that sounds, Bill, there's a skeptic in me that uh, I, I can't help thinking that's a little too easy. Uh, that's a little too good to be true. Someone once said there's no such thing as a free lunch, and why should heaven be any different? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because the message of Christ's forgiveness is a gift. It, it really should be shocking since it's contrary to most of our human experience. But remember the problem we discussed with us earning God's forgiveness and measuring up to his standard? Imagine if somebody came up to me and said, Bill, I, I know you do some traveling, and I, and I think you ought to have a Learjet. I think, yeah, right. Last time I looked, Learjets cost about $10 million. A banker wouldn't lend me 50 cents if he looked at my financial statement. They're complicated, expensive machines. But then the guy says, no, no, you don't understand. I'm offering to give this to you. My name's Bill Gates, and as a matter of fact, I've already paid for the jet, plus I put enough money in an investment funds so the, so the interest will pay for maintenance and pilots. You, you think about it. This is a gift. Now, the problem with a Learjet for me, given my financial situation, is that it's either absolutely impossible or free. I can't pay for it. The only way I could have it is if somebody who can afford it, pays the price, and offers it to me as a gift. Uh, that flies in the face of my whole life motto, me do, me fix. <laughs> Here's another story that might help. Uh, suppose you have an only child and I have an only child. We decide to go to the lake for a swim on a Sunday afternoon, and my child starts to drown because he's gotten out too far. Your child decides to make an attempt to save my son's life, knowing that it might cost him his own. Well, let's suppose he does that. He, he saves my son's life. But your son drowns in the process. Mm. Now imagine, Larry, that I come up to you on the shore after all the resuscitation efforts failed, and I say, I want you to know how much I appreciate the sacrifice of your son for, for my son and for our family, and, and I'd like to pay you. And then I'd pull out a couple 20s and hand them to you. I'd probably punch you right in the nose. <laughs> because God's sacrifice is so enormous, it's an insult to do anything but to accept it with gratitude. To try to pay for it would be the ultimate offense. Because if, if God thought the problem was such that he needed to send his own son to be sacrificed for us, well, how can we respond with, yeah, let me throw in a few of my paltry good deeds? Hey, we're thousands of miles short. He paid the penalty at, at great cost. And it seems that the only appropriate response is to humbly acknowledge our need and, and to accept the gift. Well, I have to tell you, I've never thought about it that way. But I, I do see your point. But if good deeds make no contribution in getting me to heaven, and it's all about faith and belief, would you mind defining belief for me? Um, it seems like that's pretty critical. What does it mean to believe? Well, it is crucial. And some people think that faith means believing something you know isn't true, committing intellectual suicide. But that, as it turns out, is the opposite of a biblical concept of faith. We should look before we leap, investigate, examine the evidence. Between 15 and 20 times in the Gospel of John alone, Jesus offered proof to support his claims. Because he was making outstanding, extraordinary claims, people needed evidence. 
and he offered his miracles as that evidence. And of course, the final piece of evidence he offered was his resurrection, which we've discussed earlier. True faith and belief include intellectual consistency and evidence. Now, though evidence is a necessary starting point, of course, that's not all there is to faith. Biblical faith always includes an act of the will, a, a conscious choice, a, a response. Can, can you give me an example? Well, for instance, suppose I have a terrific pain in my side and I go to the emergency room. The resident who greets me and checks me out says, I've taken a couple tests and there's no question about it, you have acute appendicitis. So I say, well, what's the prognosis, doc? And he says, flatly, if you don't have this taken out in a couple hours, you'll be dead. But I have good news. Dr. So-and-so is in the hospital and he can be down here in a few minutes. Now, I've heard of this guy. He's a renowned surgeon. But even though I believe that I have a, a potentially deadly problem and that he's a great surgeon, it's not belief in the full biblical sense until I sign that release form. When I sign the consent form, at that point, I'm entrusting myself to that physician for the solution of my problem. I'm admitting that I have a problem and I'm saying, okay, I'm putting myself in your hands. You can cut. Now, Larry, do you remember your answer to the question I asked a little bit ago about standing before the gate of heaven? Yeah, I basically said I hoped God would let me in because I'd led a good life. Well, the question behind that question is, what are you trusting in as the basis for your acceptance with God? Well, what does the I've led a good life answer tell you that you're trusting in? Myself and my deeds. Yeah. You're trusting in yourself. But to believe in Christ means to realize I can't measure up, that I stand justly condemned before a holy God, and now I'm placing my trust in Christ and in His payment for my sins. In effect, it means transferring the trust from myself to Christ. Another way to say it is that it's receiving a gift that, that I can't earn and that I don't deserve. But... How exactly do you do that? I mean, is this kind of like one of those religious experiences where you get zapped? <laughs> no, it's just a decision that really anyone can make, a, a simple conversation with God. Perhaps something like, God, I, I understand that you love me, but that you're also a just and holy God. I admit I've done wrong too many times to even count, and actually that I deserve to be condemned. God, I've always assumed I could earn my way to you, but now I understand that's, that's impossible. Now I understand that Jesus came to this earth and died to pay the full penalty for all my sins, past, present, and future. And I now place my trust in Jesus Christ and the payment that he made for me. I accept this gift. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me the gift of eternal life. Now, it's been a while, but... I have been in church before, uh, and either I was zoned out or they never told me about this gift. Well, join the club. Uh, lots of people who go regularly to, to church believe that Jesus lived, that he was the Son of God. They even believed on, that he died on the cross and rose again, but are still trusting in themselves and their good deeds to get them into heaven. And they've never understood how total the separation is between them and God. They, Never understood that Jesus paid the price for all their sins, and, and therefore they've never made that decision to accept the gift.